All right. <laughs> you are listening to Castles and Cryptids, where the castles are haunted and the cryptids are cryptic as fuck. I'm Alana. I'm Kelsey. <laughs> and the hosts are reminiscing about their brief sojourn to a much warmer place. Well, Vegas. <laughs> yeah. It's like usually much warmer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we are on episode 48. It's 48. Yeah. Almost Which is 50. crazy. Almost 50. I've been thinking about 50. We we've been thinking about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's special. It's coming up. It's pretty exciting that we made it this far. But yeah. Thank you for Almost everyone that is still listening. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, we love to see it. I don't know. Every time I get a new, we get a new country or, you know, we a country moves up. But like, Kelsey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. got a bunch of lessons here for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, we don't even, especially when it's in a place we don't even know anybody in. It's just kind of like, how yeah. did you find us? And oh, you're telling a bunch of people about us. <laughs> also, why does everybody like, did we ask what? It's, it almost seems like everybody likes some of the dark episodes, like yeah. Japanese true crime, where we like talked I noticed about that. child murder and <laughs> gangster crime. <laughs> like okay you guys want the dark stuff well we'll bring it on we got a crime one coming up so just wait <laughs> yeah hopefully we still have to pick a case so <laughs> oh yeah. That's, yeah, yeah yeah that's tomorrow's problem <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we peek behind the curtain here we're running a little behind because we well we had it was hard even with two weeks off i don't know um to like keep up with this <laughs> and yeah after we got back you know it's like okay well now we gotta research new case and everything starts all over again <laughs> yeah but it's really fun um just usually we like to be like almost like two weeks ahead and right now we're not that's all <laughs> we're yeah, fine we're right fine. now we're recording this <laughs> on two days tuesday ahead. <laughs> we're recording on tuesday and it's gonna be po has to be ready and edited by thursday at midnight yeah not our usual style we're a little bit more anal than that where we like to have some time to like you never know how long editing's gonna take okay that's all we're saying yeah <laughs> especially yeah. when you talk as long as we do <laughs> We just have to keep this one really good and literally just make it so that we, other than our little <laughs> before we do our intro, hopefully none of it has to be edited. That's the goal. Yes. No mistakes. <laughs> one <Yep>. take. <laughs> and go. Oh, you get to go. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. What are we talking about this week? There might even be some death. I mean, we talked uh, about it. it might not be a crime week, but it still could be pretty gruesome. So we had talked about doing, um, well, I had pointed out it had been quite a while since we had done a haunted <laughs> objects episode. Uh, so we are doing some haunted objects. I think you said divining objects. 
Is that what you called them before? <clears throat> I did haunted objects, but they didn't end up being uh, like divining in any way. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I did so many uh... to choose from that it was like, oh my god. Okay, what do I want to do? And then, kind of as I picked things, then a, a theme kind of emerged. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I picked one haunted object because I was lowballing. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, mine, I'm pretty sure almost everybody is going to be familiar with. So my haunted object I chose is, I'm going to be calling them Ouija boards because I'm boring yep. and lame. Uh, but some people no. pronounce it Ouija. I don't know. I don't like it. I feel I, like Ouija. that's probably just kind of how it started out. And that's how it's yeah. written. But over time, people have started saying it Ouija. Yeah. That, that almost becomes more the accepted pronunciation, you know, because it's more common. On, yeah. Online, just before we started recording, I was trying to look up and I was like looking up correct, like correct pronunciation. <laughs> and they're like, if you live in North America, you probably say Ouija. And if you live yeah. anywhere else, you probably say like Ouija. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Right. And I, I kind of get it because I kind of know where the name comes from a little bit. But having said that, I ended up turning off half a, or I ended up fast forwarding halfway through one of my favorite podcasts because it became apparent that what they were going to talk about was Ouija boards. And I was like, oh, oh no. And that was today. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm not going yeah. to listen to this right now because I know what Kelsey's covering and I want to be fresh <laughs> yes um so my entire segment I guess I'll call it is brought to you by the Smithsonian website and Reader's Digest for a so it. the Smithsonian like had a bunch of information like a complete history um that was backed up by this gentleman who apparently is like a Ouija board hold on let me find him what do they call him it's like something weird Ouijaologist yeah <laughs> oh, oh my god where is it he's a planchette oh. aficionado <laughs> yeah oh he well he studies Ouija boards he's been studying Ouija mm. boards since 1992 and I guess he's well known enough he goes to like um like paranormal conventions he gets like invited to to talk about like Ouija boards and their history and like everything um Damn. so he's pretty knowledgeable about it he's been studying them for like 30 years um so he had a lot of his information was on the Smithsonian website um oh, okay and then I have from Reader's Digest, weirdly enough, they had 13 spooky Ouija board stories that'll give you chills. Um, so that's what <laughs> I'll be ending with because they were, awesome. some of them were just so terribly corny and I loved it. Hey, Reader's Digest has some good information in it a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like when they have um, little funny anecdotes that they'll include too yeah. it's like almost like overheard kind of things or yeah so I love it <laughs> all right uh so I have a quote uh the makers of the first talking board 
asked the board what they should call it, and the name Ouija came through, or Ouija, and when they asked what it meant, the board replied, good luck, and that was from Robert Murch, that Ouija historian. Oh my god, it was in my first paragraph, and I scrolled through all of my notes trying to find out what he was referred to as. Ah, uh, okay. historian. Robert Murch. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think they were... Yeah, I was, if I had heard any more about the Ouija, I was going to hear about that guy because that name came up. Yeah. But they said it meant, like, the voices said it meant good luck because I thought it meant, like, yes. So that's kind languages. of, there's a story, I'll get to it, and it's okay. the story of that, like, Robert has uncovered that I believe kind of more so than, because what? we means yes in French and then mm-hmm. like what what language is ya from like, I think some know? of the Nordic ones like Germanic ones like German Swedish maybe and then yeah. right isn't that just yes again yeah exactly so like, it's literally yes yes and yeah. it's like cool <laughs> thanks yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah so. <laughs> it's it, it's my yeah yeah board um <laughs> gonna go get my my yaya board uh (laughs) but there's this different story um and it's one that's actually a whole lot cooler um yeah okay I don't think I've heard any other origin story for that so that would be interesting well it's like I think I have it in here oh I may have cut it out uh so like there's this story, I'll just go through it now. There's this story about like saying that it said like that its name was Ouija or whatever. And it said that that meant good luck. But there's also things about the first people that used it. Um, and Robert like tracked down the daughter that was like sitting at the table when the first like Ouija board was being used and her mom was using it. And her mom was like literally just wearing a necklace that had a portrait and it had like the lady's name above it it was like kind of one of those cool like kind of like English woman like necklaces where they almost look like they're like um like ivory like the silhouette kind of Mm -hmm. ones with the face and it was like that and it was about this woman that was some kind of historical figure or whatever and her name uh was like O-U-I- uh, like GA or something and it could have literally just been like yeah that it was like a mispronunciation or misreading of like the necklace that she was wearing and that she's and that her mom was actually because she was wearing the necklace was like the one that was moving the planchette more than the others oh yeah okay I mean it sounds like a very pretty necklace I'm picturing yeah, yeah like a locket with like you say, yeah, some yeah like something like that. Some... They said it would have been like in a lane. picture of her and then it had her name above it and it was like all part of a necklace. And I'm like, that sounds like a crazy necklace. <laughs> Almost like, well, the, I can picture a locket and then I can also picture some name necklaces like Carrie and Sex the City has a Carrie necklace or yeah. like Alexis and Schitt's Creek wears a necklace that's just an A on a yeah. chain and stuff. But like, yeah to have them both together you don't always see as often yeah so it was something like that so that's like an alternative I guess way of how the name possibly came about 
Hmm. And he, the, the guy there was doing a session with someone that was wearing the necklace. No, he, in like his research as a Ouija board, like historian tracked down like the people that like did the first production and everything of like the Ouija boards and then how they came to learn about them and like everything like that because they didn't actually um they like manufactured them uh but they didn't actually like make them in the first place or like invent them right get into it because it's kind of like a crazy thing Um, it must be yeah I can't wait to hear it (laughs) yeah so this is gonna be it's the Smithsonian website they had a good mixture of like historical just like history and kind of like supernaturally stuff but I I thought it was kind of cool yeah I just always have a hard time when I go to say it (laughs) the Smithsonian yes I don't know how many times I've said on the podcast here the Smithsonian (laughs) (laughs) but it's a good resource (laughs) yeah it's my only research resource other than Reader's Digest this week so you're welcome (laughs) Uh, so starting out in February of 1891, the first ads were running for the Ouija board and they started appearing in newspapers. Um, and they were like the headlines read Ouija, the wonderful talking board that answered, quote, questions about the past, present and future with marvelous accuracy and promised never failing amusement and recreation for all the classes, as well as a link between the known and unknown, the material and immaterial, end quote. Oh my gosh, it's not promising much, is it? No, nothing at all. (laughs) Always works, never fails, always provides amusement, never a demon or entity (laughs) that you don't want. Oh my god. Um, and the ads for the board were basically the same type of board that's sold today. Um, other than wow. I guess the material it's made out of. It was a flat board. It had all the letters of the alphabet and the numbers zero through nine, as well as yes and no in the top corners and goodbye at the bottom. Uh, right. the board came with the planchette, which was a teardrop-shaped device that normally didn't always, but sometimes has a hole in it. Um, they kind of view it as like the window so that you can like place it around the letter or number. Yeah, I kind of like uh, those ones with the little hole window. Yeah, <laughs> I think the first ones, it was more like just pointing at mm. it. That would make and sense, then, especially because like glass and stuff would have been expensive. So yeah, yeah, would have just been a hole. <laughs> so two or more people place their hands on the planchette and then ask the board questions. The board then can answer yes or no, or just spell out the answer. And today the board is normally just cardboard and the planchette is normally plastic. When back in like the 1890s, when it was first in production, uh, and even before that a little bit, uh, it was normally all made out of wood. That's cool. Yeah, so it'd be like solid wood, board and planchette was used and before the patent for the Ouija board was approved in the 1890s the patent office actually um, forced them to like come in and use the board in front of them and they did this um, and confirmed 
with the people at the patent office that it worked and then they approved oh. the patent for a dollar and 50 cents at the time I didn't look up what oh my God. that would be today <laughs> um, they confirmed then, that it worked oh <laughs> yeah I don't know if I talk about it later I should have reread my notes um but they literally basically like Robert tracked down was like what was this confirmation that they used before they got approval for the patent yeah and it was basically that one of the per like people that owned the toy company that was like making it and looking for the patent um basically just spent like asked the board or the guy who would approve the patent asked them how to spell his last name and his last name was like kind of strange or something I guess and it like the Ouija board like they all put their hands on and it spelled his name and then they're like ooh, so they approved the patent so and they're like well theoretically like you have a meeting with the dude to get a patent in the first place you probably know how to spell his name so (laughs) I mean that's fair not great yeah right it it might not be like uh without a shadow of a doubt <laughs> definitive proof <laughs> but then again it's like what what is right oh it's like yeah. you can't you can't prove that sasquatch is real but you basically can't prove that he's not real either <laughs> yeah kind of thing. that's funny so um, uh robert Mer- the, i have a question yeah you said the company um I think I had heard that it was Milton Bradley that was the game company is that the one that's trying to patent it or do you know no. if... I I get into it there's like a bunch of them that oh it pretty oh. much hot potatoed for like 50 years like I see I get I'm yeah. just getting ahead of myself <laughs> yeah uh so Robert Murch uh as I mentioned before has been studying the Ouija board since about 1992 and quote for such an iconic thing that strikes both fear and wonder in American culture how can no one know where it came from end quote the Ouija board was uh brought about in a time when America was obsessed with spiritualism and the belief that the dead were able to communicate with the living and this belief came over starting well it was really strong in Europe but it kind of came over more into America starting around 1848 which seems so long ago it's crazy how old this thing is well Um, true but yeah it was big I remember hearing that a few times that spiritualism got big in the 1800s yeah uh so it was big in Europe with the sudden rise of the Fox sisters uh as well in New York Mm starting around 1848 and the Fox sisters claimed to receive messages from spirits um, through them like banging on the walls in order to answer questions and they did this into like in like many parlors and like locations across New York so they'd ask a question and then there'd be knocks on the wall and the sisters success along with like press at the time Um, and other spiritualists kind of were starting out so they really brought the movement to its peak starting in kind of the 1850s onwards Mm, okay yeah uh so spiritualism (laughs) yeah two sisters (laughs) that's such an influence whether you believe them or not (laughs) yeah So spiritualism coexisted at the time with Christianity, 
Um, and they actually viewed it as kind of like wholesome, trying to talk and communicate with the dead and uh, even allowed people to conduct seances to contact loved ones through like automatic writing where like somebody's just writing, I guess. I don't know much about automatic writing. Um, I know Me more either, about- but yeah. I, I have heard of it. And so I kind of get that it's like not supposedly you that's doing the writing. Something yeah. You. Yeah. Um, but you see more often, and that's in like a few movies, but I feel like more often you see what's called table turning parties, which is when everybody has their hands on the table and it starts shaking and rattling and then it lifts off the floor. Oh, okay. That's always a good in the movies. I love it. <laughs> Seances instead of sewing circles and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this just is our fun. book club. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. We should start another book club. That was so fun. I was talking about it today with uh, my friend Caitlin on the way home from work. <laughs> book clubs are fun, guys. Don't make fun. <laughs> the only books I've read recently are like literally those Black Baker Brotherhood books. Okay. I've I... now figured out I've read 35 of them. <laughs> and it's literally the only like proper like full-length novels I've basically read start to finish in like 10 years they're like the soap opera of novels <laughs> they keep going on forever <laughs> oh yeah she's like released two more spin-off series that are set in the same world and they're just as good and I love them I get it I'm a word nerd but sometimes all I want to read is comforting novels that don't like because you want it as that's an escape these. yeah yeah that's these um, I love the characters <laughs> I love the world everybody's funny and it's great I've been rereading some Stephen King that I hope they make it into a series because the Mr. Mercedes trilogy is really good and I think would make really good movies like most of his adaptations have made good I think movies. they are I think they are I hope so. We might have talked about it in our Stephen King episode. We've done yeah, so I many think episodes, it's, guys. <laughs> I think it's set to become like a Netflix thing or something. Because I remember oh, hearing about so it. Good. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I like a good like murder mystery, thriller, you know, beach read, whatever people call it. Like, in, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's more Dr. Sleep than The Shining more modern and mm. stuff so it's it's pretty cool uh, it's interesting that's good yeah I haven't read that one I uh, it's hard for me to read Stephen King I've never liked an ending I'm sorry I'm sorry Stephen King mm, endings are hard doesn't he talk yeah. about that because his one character that's a writer it it has a hard time with endings <laughs> yeah he talks yeah and he talks a lot about you can tell he's been an English teacher in these books because they ref they refer to a lot of like classical novels and stuff but yeah I don't know tangents <laughs> um Ouija so boards. We, yeah back to Ouija boards uh it they were also popular due to the fact that at the time the lifespan was less than 50 so not great um so oh, that the meant, lifespan like, of the average of person? people yeah I mean so, like people were dying young yeah. so people were like wanting to communicate with loved ones I guess more 
Um, I can see that. And then when there's wars and stuff, because in America yeah. there would have been it would have been around the Civil War or just before. Yeah. Maybe. That actually we'll get yeah. to it in like a sentence. Um <laughs> uh, so Damn. yeah, at the time, like lifespan on average is less than 50. Uh a oh. bunch of women still do, but more so at the time we're dying like during childbirth and stuff that probably brings the average way down too yeah you know what I mean because there's probably still Um, lots of people that lived past 50 but anyway yeah and then it didn't help that like uh children were also dying of like a bunch of different diseases and then men on average were like just dying in the war in huge numbers and so during the civil war it was seen the Ouija board was seen as a or I guess spiritualism in general was seen as a way for people to contact loved ones who had left um, and like left their home to go and help fight and then maybe never returned home and they like didn't know what happened to them exactly or didn't know details. Yeah. Um, And one that the Smithsonian even mentioned um, for like using spiritualism and stuff was actually Mary Todd Lincoln, the wife of Abraham Lincoln, actually did on multiple occasions conduct seances in the White House after her and her uh, Abraham's 11-year-old son actually died of a fever in 1862. Okay, that's sad, but that makes sense that that prompted them to have an interest in the afterlife and stuff. Mm -hmm. If you remember, Lincoln was the one that the, was said to have seen his doppelganger and it was Mary that apparently like told him or whatever that um, because that he had seen his like reflection or something in the mirror or window or something and seen a doppelganger it meant that he would like get reelected but he wouldn't survive the second term or something. Yeah. So they've come up with this spiritualism before so that was kind of interesting holy shit when, what episode did we talk about doppelgangers that was that the was very one? first episode oh, okay death omens yeah right? yeah damn that's why it's hard to remember our audio quality has gone much up since much up since then <laughs> is that grammatically correct i don't know <laughs> i don't know and i don't know how to fix it so way up <laughs> audio quality woo <laughs> yeah Speaking, not so much. <laughs> I still suck at that. <laughs> uh, so Robert Murch, uh, I think this is, oh, this is just a couple quotes, says, uh, communicating with the dead was common. It wasn't seen as bizarre or weird. And it's hard, hard to imagine that now we look at that and think, why are you opening the gates of hell? Like, right? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how can it how can it also like how can it open the gates of hell and then we also sell it with the board games <laughs> yeah it seems a little weird that it's both <laughs> yeah I don't know so getting into like the first production of the Ouija board um the first company to produce the Ouija board was the Kennard Novelty Company like okay. Kennard um and they actually uh started due to the money that they were expected to make 
um, based on like spiritualism at the time. Uh, So yeah, they didn't do it because they believed in it. They literally were 100% in it for money. Um, People were desperate for an easier way to reach the spirits. And rather than like trying to contact people like the Fox sisters and wait for like knocks on the wall. um, So they would basically think what they were like talking about is like you would it would literally knock on the wall on like you would say the alphabet so you'd be like trying to spell out a word so you'd be like going like a b c d and you would hear a knock on the wall and then you'd stop and then write it down and then like go to the and then go back a b c and then every knock and you'd be like spelling out the answer that way right and that's how the fox sisters supposedly communicated with them my understanding yeah without like diving in or looking up anything but that seemed to be kind of what the article was implying okay yeah this like the ouija board was seen as like a very easier thing than like Mm -hmm. trying to go through the alphabet yourself it's literally just going directly to a letter or going yes or no it's Um, like the difference between when you the phones first came out and to text you had the t9 thing so i my first phone you had to go abc if you wanted to get to see yeah it was terrible versus like now you can just (laughs) type in on a keyboard on your screen (laughs) I also liked that in the Smithsonian article it said that people at the time were used to having things very quick because of their communication through telegraphs (laughs) and I was like oh god so it was like yes they wanted answers quicker because they were used to answers through telegraphs and I was like oh my god they thought that was quick yeah and if that telegraph took three minutes to load oh boy they got pissed (laughs) yeah I was just like oh this is great I love it oh that's amusing telegraphs Mm -hmm. and isn't that like you're doing morse code (laughs) yeah right that's what I thought but I was like maybe I'm wrong (laughs) um so like this idea of like telegraphs and like having a way I guess that it could be written and you doing it yourself rather than having to pay somebody to do it on a regular basis for you really helped the Ouija board and allowed it to like just spread like wildfire in popularity. And Which is interesting because they only get your money once if they do that, right? Yeah. You buy the Ouija board. Whereas if you're like a psychic or someone and and they kind of sound like the bad kind of psychics where like they're like oh I just people are, these people are grieving I'm going to take advantage by being like you can talk to your dead loved one or you know I but I'm the only one that can help you with that <laughs> yeah I I mention it in a little bit but let's just say that like people like psychics and stuff did not like the Ouija board and then they kind of changed their right. minds so Ooh. Yeah. So in 1886, after reading reports of the talking board uh, that were coming out of Ohio, Charles Kennard um, of the Kennard Novelty Company brought together a group of investors in 1890 and started the Kennard not or this says Kennedy. Maybe it was like Kennedy. That's a typo. Maybe. I yeah it should be the Kenner novelty company because I'm like I'm pretty sure it was his last name um (laughs) and they actually made this company and the only product that they sold was mass producing the Ouija board 
That's all they did. Yeah. So they were and yeah. That's all that was like mentioned. I didn't look up like specifically what they sold, but it said that uh they started this company solely on the intents and purposes of getting the Ouija board like rights and patent and then putting it into mass production. Wow. Yeah. They're like, get one in every home. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I have like a whole just like I have quite a few, but there's like paragraphs where I literally just quoted directly from the Smithsonian um Mm -hmm. article. So this is next section is basically just what they have written. Um, it said according to Merch's interviews with the descendants of the Ouija founders and the original Ouija patent file itself, which he's seen, the story of the board's patent request was true. Knowing that if they, oh, this is where I talked about it. Knowing that if they couldn't prove that the board worked, they wouldn't get their patent. Bond brought the indispensable Peters to the patent office in Washington with him when he filed his application. There, the chief patent officer demanded a demonstration. If the board could accurately spell out his name, which was supposed to be unknown to Bond and Peters, he'd allow the patent application to proceed. They all sat down, communed with the spirits, and the planchette faithfully spelled out the patent officer's names. Whether or not it was mystical spirits or the fact that Bond, as a patent attorney, may have just known the man's name, well, that's unclear, Merch says. But on February 10th, 1891, a white-faced and visibly shaken patent officer awarded Bond a patent for his new, quote, gamer toy. And uh, that was the end from the Smithsonian article. And then I put the patent offered no explanation as to how the board worked, which only ended up adding to like the public's intrigue because there was no like description about it. Well, of course yeah. not but also yeah. that part does sound familiar about the little story because I always yeah. notice when somebody has my same name and there was a Peters in that story yeah yeah I think Peters <laughs> was just cute. one of the guys that like uh was one of the investors right Probably. I cut out a bunch of names because there was a lot going on oh for sure I mean I've heard entire multi-part episodes about like the spiritualism movement and some of the yeah. like famous people that were involved in it, like Harry Houdini and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. We could definitely do a like I love yeah. this deep dive. I love this kind of stuff. It's so cool. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I thought this was pretty interesting. I didn't expect the Ouija board to be this old for like anything. So yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just you take it for granted, right? It's like shit, that's yeah. been around for ages. <laughs> yeah. So the rights and the title as investor of the Ouija board uh, were kind of fought off and on in local papers with members of the company coming and going over the years. Um, There's like a huge story like about it. They basically are like everybody's constantly arguing about who actually invented the Ouija board and who actually owned the rights and like all this stuff. And really, even the Kennard Novelty Company read about it from like newspaper reports in Ohio and it was already a thing they just made it and then they actually like entered the patent thing to be able to produce it um so they didn't even invent it anyway right um so just jumping ahead to because I thought it was like the next most interesting like section was 1919 
Um, that's when the remaining business interests were actually sold to a William Fold for just a dollar. And oh gosh. Yeah. So the company had basically like changed hands a bunch of times. Um, and then the last like original guy ended up selling his stuff over to William Fold for a dollar in 1919. And while many spiritualists initially bought the boards, uh, spirit mediums tended to dislike the board as it took away from their business and income, as you kind of talked about. Um, but then after kind of feeling okay. this way, they actually realized that they too could use the board as a tool themselves and that maybe it would make the public trust them a little bit more because they too might be familiar with Ouija boards. And so. this is people that are like mediums. As yeah. I always get mediums, psychics, whatever, same sort of deal. Okay. Yeah, in the article that it said spirit sense. mediums. Yeah, so yeah. they took, like, even though they were against it at first, they realized, like, I can use this as a tool too, like, stuff. So right. they kind of changed their minds. I'm sure there's still people that hate it, but I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's people that, there's probably real life mediums that hate, like, shows like the Long Island medium. And I'm sure yeah. I've heard some of them say that because they're like, well, that doesn't help give us uh, credence or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's My interesting. Mom, I I think yeah. it probably would make the public maybe like more open to it to see yeah. other things. Yeah. Uh, so the Ouija board offered people of all ages a fun way uh, to believe in something. And <laughs> just like, uh, like afterlife and all that kind of stuff got people, I guess, like talking about it and more open to the idea if they didn't believe in that before mm -hmm. and the board kind of saw like surges in sales um at different times and it kind of seems to be when things are going poorly in the world and in like america and stuff that they see huge surges in sales so That's they saw grim but makes kind yeah. of sense <laughs> Um, so they saw huge sales it surges it during World War One and during the Prohibition, oh, as God. well as <laughs> yeah, there was one of the bigger surges during the Great Depression, and um, during that time, the in a five month period, one of the locations like one store that the Fold Company was operating out of and selling the Ouija boards out of in five months that one location sold 50,000 Ouija boards during in the Great one, Depression in one month in five months I'm so they so sold sorry. 10 one store sold 10,000 boards a month for five months straight during the Great Depression, when people didn't have a lot of money to begin with. Oh my God. Yeah, that'd um, be a lot nowadays with like online sales too. You would yeah. think that would still be a huge number. So this led to like the Fold Company even actually building more factories to keep up with the demand during the Great Depression. <laughs> um, and then jumping ahead in 1967, after the Parker Brothers bought um, the rights and the production, everything from Fold, um, from the Fold company. Okay. That year in 1967, the Ouija board outsold Monopoly with 2 million boards being sold in a oh year. Oh my God. In 1967, imagine 2 million 
yeah you want some monopoly and then I Fuck sat you, here Park going place. <laughs> well and then I sat here going oh my god monopoly is that old too and then it was yeah it's so old Although, I didn't realize it was that old right so wait did, which one did we say was older than Ouija boards yeah or- well I don't know when monopoly boards oh were. right but yeah holy mm-hmm. shit oh <laughs> yeah That's um so, so stories of people solving crimes or finding missing persons also helped make the Ouija board more popular um this was like another huge quote just from the Smithsonian article because it was just a collection of like stuff mm-hmm It said, in 1921, the New York Times reported that a Chicago woman being sent to a psychiatric psychiatric hospital tried to explain to doctors that she wasn't suffering from mania, but that Ouija spirits had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Why? I know. In 1930, newspaper readers thrilled to accounts of two women in Buffalo, New York, who'd murdered another woman, supposedly on the encouragement of the Ouija board messages. Oh in, my god. Yeah. In nineteen forty-one, in nineteen forty-one, a 23-year-old gas station attendant from New Jersey told the New York Times that he joined the army because the Ouija board told him to. And well, that's less violent. Yeah. No, way. these are just like random things that like were newspaper articles. Uh, in 1958... All the, they're all over the board. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> In 1958, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of Miss Helen Dow Peck, who left only $1,000 to two former servants, but an insane $152,000 to Mr. John Gale Forbes, a lucky but bodiless spirit who'd contacted her via the Ouija board. That was my favorite. Oh, honey. What? 152,000. How does she know that's a bodiless spirit and not some guy's actual name? And he's like, okay, now I can go cash that check because 1900s or whatever security <laughs> measures. Yeah, in 1958. Um, yeah. So that was like the end of their little list thing. Um, and then they had like a whole section about it. I didn't really think it was super interesting, but just that like Ouija boards at the time were also being written about in like poems and books mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. So it was like, I didn't really want to get through examples because I didn't think they'd be super interesting. Right, um, but it made its yeah. way into pop culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the perception of Ouija boards changed drastically in, can you guess? I have a feeling you could probably guess. The 1970s? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, specifically 1973 with the release of the movie The, the Exorcist. Exorcist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ding, 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 uh, ding, ding. Yeah. We're getting good at this. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, I heard that has a big impact on all yeah. of the occult shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, so with the release of the movie The Exorcist, which depicts a 13-year-old girl 
being possessed by a demon after playing with the Ouija board by herself because you're not supposed to do that oh um, my god it's right in the movie okay yeah I literally have like not seen it in a long time <laughs> I think I watched it one time at a sleepover and I was not paying attention um, right <laughs> Yeah, we are like it was so. It was I don't know. I was probably watching it when I was like thirteen or fourteen at like because I one of my birthday parties was like a horror movie like movie night and we basically turned off The Exorcist. We turned off one of the like sequels to Silence of the Lambs. Sorry, Um, even though like Hannibal Lecter is like my favorite. Um, I couldn't yeah. sit through like one of the movies and then like, like 13 another movie I think it was maybe the age too it's hard to also like just focus and like kids you're still a kid and they want to talk and like that's that's a lot of those are heavy yeah. shit and I'm like oh movies from the 1970s I'm like I feel like I should watch them just to be like okay I did see the exorcist right <laughs> but then I'm like at the same time you're like you see all the things from it and the meat and you're like i already know what happened so yeah i forgot there was even ouija boards in it (laughs) yeah i didn't know um but she becomes possessed because she plays with it by herself that's basically the start of the movie Um, at least you guys didn't do that during your sleepover (laughs) yeah no no ouija boards i've never Uh, owned one i never have either no um i would definitely own a cool old one I would definitely buy a cool yeah. old one, but I would never use it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this movie changed how people saw. Don't buy me first. Saw... <laughs> Don't buy me first. <laughs> uh, so this movie changed how people saw kind of the game board. Um, and Robert Merch says, quote, it's kind of like psycho. No one was afraid of showers until that scene. It's a clear mm. line. <laughs> that's true um, that's very true I and mean, he said this while explaining that before the exorcist films and tv depictions of the ouija board were usually kind of jokey hokey and silly hmm. yeah i mean just i don't know i was gonna say even most of the horror movies up until then were were as well yeah <laughs> yeah Other than um, psycho. <laughs> Yeah, virtually overnight, the board became seen as a tool of the devil and horror movies and writers, like book writers, kind of latched onto it. Uh, People began burning Ouija boards in bonfires and Merch says that when he first began speaking at paranormal conventions, he was even asked to leave any antique Ouija boards at home because they were scaring people too much. This is at, at paranormal conventions. You're scaring people at paranormal conventions with old Ouija boards. That's intense. Like, wow. Yeah, they must have a bad energy. Um, my favorite thing is is in 1991, Hasbro that had purchased the Parker Brothers like company, um, was still, I love that it was Hasbro, was still selling hundreds of thousands of Ouija boards, but people were buying them for the spooky and kind of dangerous association rather than to use them as like surely like a spiritual reason or like contacting loved ones right it seems like nowadays people more just use them to see if they can contact anything rather than yeah specifically a good person that they knew which is not great (laughs) yeah 
So Ouija boards have begun to like become popular again due to movies such as Paranormal Activity and as well as their use in TV shows. I don't remember this, but apparently a Ouija board is used at some point in Breaking Bad. I do not remember that at all. I didn't see all of it, so I wouldn't remember either, but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would fit with that show. (laughs) No. Making drugs. So many spirits. (laughs) I remember them liquefying a person in a bathtub. I do not remember the Ouija board. Uh, Oh God, were they trying to contact that person after he was haunting them? (laughs) I don't know. Um... And then apparently Ouija boards were also used in other TV shows like Castle and then probably many supernatural type TV shows. Um, New versions, Hmm. I believe still by Hasbro, uh, are being made such as ones that glow in the dark as well as um, like Mm -hmm. app companies having like apps on your phone that have kind of re-envisioned the board in a modern time and that you can basically use it as the same thing but it's on your phone I don't know how that works with you and the planchette but okay <laughs> well if they Very can get like a D app where like you're like click the thing and it rolls the dice for you I mean I guess but yeah it yeah. seems like it would defeat the whole purpose it's like yeah like to hate just three people touch my fo- iphone screen <laughs> Just Two one finger, finger though. Yeah. Just fingertips. Three fingertips smearing up my iPhone screen. No thanks. Except for those girls with the really long nails. They can't even touch their screens. Yeah. So they'd just be like nails. Yeah, they're no, just but... tap, 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 tap. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw them, but I used to hate they would make like the mini versions of board games that were like keychain size. And it'd be like keychain size clue. And I'm like, okay, I love clue and I love many things, but what the fuck am I gonna do with this tiny little clue board that like I liked the travel ones that were like the size of like a book that you could still like fold out and use. Okay, but that sounds still playable. This one I'm talking, they like literally were not functional because you didn't have a tiny deck of clue cards to go with it. (laughs) So it's just like this tiny little board that didn't have any like pieces or anything. And it was like, well, what the fuck is the point of this? terrible like yeah just to be a keychain whatever um uh one thing which I wanted to mention that was really cool and I'm so happy it was in the Smithsonian's article (laughs) it's a little bit about how Ouija boards actually work so sorry um okay (laughs) but it's very cool because they're actually using them for like scientific research um which is very cool yeah and I did not know anything about this so the Ouija board is being used by scientists to study the conscious and unconscious and non-conscious thought process and the mind throughout through the ideomotor I think that's how you pronounce it ideomotor effect um which is they call um the effect where your body is moving is actually like unconsciously moving an object due to the subconscious will so like oh, you're actually making wow. it move so that's what they believe is actually causing the planchette to move and that researchers proved this by placing a blindfolded participant at a table with another person and not knowing that this other person was involved in the research they weren't a, like volunteer and that as soon as they were blindfolded the basically the other researcher took their hands like off the table and they thought their hands were still on the planchette 
So this person oh, okay. thinks they're, they're playing with another person. They're really only mm-hmm. doing it themselves. And they were asked to use the Ouija board to answer trivia questions, basically yes or no questions only, um, from what I understood. And the blindfolded participant was not aware that the other person had removed their hands before the questions had even started. And participants in the control group, on an average, who were just asked the trivia questions, and if they didn't know, had been just told, just guess, you have a 50-50 chance, just guess. They were basically getting 50% right because it's yes or no, like you have right. a 50% chance of being right. Right, probably. But the people <laughs> who were blindfolded asked the questions and were told to move the planchette with the other partner, who they right. also assume was trying to answer the question at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you'd assume if you didn't know that that person would know. So Your you're putting more faith partner. in that person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they had a 65% accuracy when they were quote unquote playing with the planchette and the other person, even though it was still just them. Oh my yeah. gosh. So higher accuracy. Because they believed definitely. that the board was telling them the answer or the other person was moving the answer. So they had it's a higher so accuracy. Weird. It's like, what if you're yeah. just like unlocking your, what is it? Locking into your like intuition. That's potential. what it is. Um, they basically say that the non-conscious mind when you're playing or like using a Ouija board your non-conscious mind is basically answering the questions for you and you believe it's the board I can Um, see that so the results of this test have been like replicated in different situations over like different times Um, they've also used like robots in another room um so like the person's told, oh yeah, like th- it didn't really make sense this one, but the person's like add a thing and they're like, yeah, another person's like in a different room playing with you. And then we're going to see if you have the right, the same answer or something. And it's like a robot. It was confusing. I didn't really understand that study. Hmm. Um, this one made more sense similar. where the person was just like, just taking but it was the same results if they asked them to guess by themselves it was 50 percent. if they were told to guess using the board basically and the board was quote-unquote telling them the answer um it was basically 65 percent right right Um, they believed they had some sort of outside influence in those second studies that's interesting it's kind of like the placebo effect of if you're like you think you're taking a drug but you're just taking a sugar pill you placebo yeah. effect means you can sometimes still feel like you're taking that drug it's crazy <laughs> um so researchers explained that the non-conscious mind of an individual is more knowledgeable than most people actually realize and that allowing the person to believe that the ouija board is giving them the answer allows that person's non-conscious mind to answer for them because it actually may know the answer um it's like i base it as, as having like when you're trying to think of like a word and you keep saying it's on the tip of my tongue it's on the tip of my well obviously you know that word just like consciously at that moment you can't access sure. it um it also reminds me of those things like when someone's like what give me your first answer without thinking about it like do you want to do this or this yeah. like phoebe does it to joey on friends and then like the first thing you say is what you clearly want yeah because you don't have to think about it yeah. quite often yeah yeah. Um, so, cool. so the reason why you may think they're just doing this to be annoying for all the people who mm-hmm. like are super into spiritualism and think they're just trying to bash on the Ouija board. They're actually not. 
Um, they are actually hoping to use these findings to better understand how the mind works and how neurogenerative diseases like Alzheimer's actually affect the mind. Um, wow. Yeah. And like if they can figure out how to access like the non-conscious mind, they may be able to help people with like Alzheimer's and memory problems, um, which would wow. be very beneficial. Um, they have run into some problems with funding, however, as the protocols for using a Ouija board as a method of research isn't really viewed as like impartial or it's kind <laughs> of viewed say. as like hokey or out there. Um, <laughs> a little but bit they're, woo-woo. <laughs> yeah, got the woo-woo. Um, but they are hoping like the that <laughs> uh, like crowdfunding and stuff online will help them continue their work. Nice, which nice. would be cool because I think if that's like the case um, and it's somebody's mind like influencing them and they're not aware of it it's definitely like worth more research because that's a very yeah. cool like phenomenon and if it helps people with like Alzheimer's and stuff that would be amazing right and you would hope that's the thing about most research you hope that it's going to be used for the good of something yeah. and not like to brainwash someone <laughs> or something yeah. like that Ugh. yeah um so that brings me to the reader's digest 13 spooky wee ouija board stories that will give you chills yeah some of them i i didn't <laughs> cut any of them out but some of them are in my opinion stupid um really okay well i just kept them all because they're all pretty <laughs> short so Maybe um, it's because people that read Reader's Digest are probably <laughs> old. 50s, yeah. I was like, oh my God, hey. why did this link yeah. take me to Reader's Digest? <laughs> and not like BuzzFeed. Like, the clearly more reputable source. <laughs> yeah. Where at least I can scroll down and people are like voting on whether it's a fail or an LOL. <laughs> That's I mean, my favorite I- thing ever. I watched that bar graph and I'm like yeah so many fail because you can like vote on the article that stuff on BuzzFeed actually I know what you mean it's down by the comments yeah 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 yeah. I always look at it and I'm like eh every time it's in fail I'm just like yes (laughs) um shit I was gonna say something what did what were we just saying before that um oh it's weird. I've never run across like a Reader's Digest article online. I don't think like I've I read haven't the either copies. <laughs> That's yeah. why I was like, oh, and it took me to one website that was like RD something, and I was like, what? And it took me like two minutes to figure out it was Reader's Digest because <laughs> nothing said Reader's Digest. It just kept saying RD everywhere. You're like, I'm, I'm waiting like, for the J. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah gonna tell me 13 spooky Ouija board stories um, <laughs> so the first one and these will all just be verbatim because they're stories uh this one's entitled text it says Ooh. Justin played with the Ouija board one day with several of his friends they asked questions but instead of the planchette moving to certain letters it began to move in a strange pattern it went to all four corners of the board and made an x the 30 two-year-old New Jersey resident tells Reader's Digest then it just went in circles the next time we used the board it was a, at a different friend or 
It was with a different friend at his house. Again, the planchette moved in the same strange pattern. It felt like it was some kind of hex. He continues, later that night when he was sleeping, he felt a forceful hand grab his arm and wake him up, but everyone else in the house was sound asleep. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that's weird. It doing patterns. Yeah. I haven't heard that too often, but yeah, that's where that one ends. <laughs> yeah. All of these are really okay. short and end so abruptly. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like a Reader's Digest write in. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm <laughs> like, here's four, here's four lines. Uh, <laughs> the next one's called A Ghastly Glitch. That's hard to say. Uh, Abby <laughs> was in her room one night after playing with a Ouija board earlier that day. As she was getting ready for bed, her computer screen changed from black to blue. It turned on by itself. She turned the computer off. Again, the computer clicked itself back to life. Anxious, Abby unplugged the computer completely. And then the unpowered computer started back up again. She buried the Ouija board in her backyard that same night. Oh, she buried it? Yeah, she like dug a hole and buried the Ouija board that night. Interesting. Do you know what that reminds me of? I was just, I thought about this a little bit earlier, but one of the pods or whatever we're friends with on our Instagram. Yeah. Um, well, she has a YouTube channel called Mysteries of the Past and Present. Um, her name is Abby. <laughs> just like the story. And I remember watching a video where she was like, and this Ouija board we found when we were investigating near the cemetery, it was like in the woods. She found like no. a Ouija board in the woods. If you ever get me a Ouija board, don't let it be one you found in the woods near the cemetery. Nope, I can't. I wouldn't take that home, I don't think. Couldn't no. do it. But it's just so funny that you told that story and it was like, wait, who did this? What? And then they buried it. (laughs) Oh my God, too funny. Uh, The next one is just entitled Solo Play. (laughs) Regretful name. Uh, (laughs) Double entendre. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, Most people play with a Ouija board in groups or at least with one other person. But... Oceana Oceana uh, wanted to try to use it on her own she put her hands on the pointer and asked questions but nothing happened she took her hands off the pointer and was about to put the game away when the planchette began to move around it on its own I'll never try that again says the 30 year old from New Jersey cool thanks gross that would be terrifying though yeah you just like leave it and it starts moving I don't know it's just like imagine you just leave your computer and your mouse starts moving on its own or something it's like nope no thanks yeah um solo play (laughs) oh this one is actually kind of creepy um it's slightly longer it says when Vince now 30 was a child one of his friends goaded him into playing with a Ouija board in his basement Young Vince didn't expect anything out of the ordinary to happen, so he went along with it. Once they started to play, however, the lights began to flicker, the air around them grew cold, and the spirit began to communicate with them through the board. Excuse me. 
the spirit spelled out a Russian name and claimed he had been murdered. Uh, we took a break to make some pizza rolls, Vince says. Nice. <laughs> but we forgot to close the circle when we were done. After returning to the basement, the energy was much heavier and books and things were sprawled out on the floor. And yet the board remained perfectly still in the center of the room, just how they had left it. Upon looking at the mirror that we had nearby, the eye of the Ouija board was moving sporadically in its reflection. Isn't that creepy? The eye of the Ouija board was moving yeah. in the reflection of the mirror? Yeah. So like the one he was oh. looking at was fine, but the one in the reflection was moving. Because they have what, like a uh, eye in a triangle yeah. on the top, right? I think, mo- yeah. Yeah, that like, ugh. Nope. Yeah, that one's kind of <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I found a few of them kind of creepy. <laughs> Gross. Uh, this one's a haunted housewarming. The first night I used a Ouija board, I was about six or seven, and I was with my mom and older sister, who was about 15 at the time. Paige, now 24, tells Reader's Digest. The family had just moved into a new house, much bigger and much older than the one they lived in previously. That night, Paige, her mother, and her sister were eating pizza. Not pizza rolls, but pizza. On the living room floor, since they didn't have all their furniture set up yet. Uh, they put on a fire to ease the chill of the fall air. After dinner, the sister pushed her mom to let them play with their old Ouija board. As we were using it, Paige recounts a box in the living room that had some books in it literally flew across the room. Shortly after that, the fire inexplicably went out and their mother was so shaken she took the girls to their grandmother's house to spend the night. Holy shit. Well, when things are flying out at you, yeah. Yeah, it'll be a little freaky. Jesus. Uh, the next one is summer camp scare. <laughs> this one's hard. <laughs> Ouija board stories don't necessarily t- have to involve the professionally packaged toy. As a child, Liam went was at a summer camp one year when he and some other boys drew their own Ouija board on a large sheet of paper as soon as we started using it, he says, we heard knocking coming from inside one of the lockers. And that's where it ends. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> we heard knocking coming. Maybe the ending was cool. that. Yeah. It was, a ghost ate them all or it was one of the other campers. <laughs> yeah. A kid that got locked in the locker because he's a nerd. No. Um, <laughs> I have heard of people drawing summer. their own, though like i never have before whatever is handy yeah i don't know just on podcasts and stuff i think i heard somebody say they did it and i was like oh creepy okay um (laughs) the next one is blackout there are times in all our lives when we question if something is really a coincidence or if it is in fact much more meaningful when becky with an i and two k's used a Ouija board during her first semester in college. She had one of those experiences. A few minutes in, we lost power and some car hit a pole on her street. That's probably why you lost power. The timing was strange, she says, to say the least. And that's the end of that one. Yeah. Her name is Becky with an I. I'm picturing how I write like Brecky when I'm saying like breakfast. Yeah, it's B-E-K-K-I. Becky. Oh, God. 
he's a stripper. It's Becky with two K's and an I. It's Becky with the good hair. <laughs> oh, the next one is entitled Deadbeat Dad. Um, oh. It says Owen started playing with Ouija boards when he was a child, and he has continued to experience paranormal phenomena ever since. My grandfather on my dad's side died before I was born, says the 24-year-old Ohio native. He and my dad were estranged, so my dad never spoke of him or had pictures of him around. And so this is his dad and his grandfather. Owen began seeing and talking to a person he called Michael. Unbeknownst to him, Michael was his grandfather's name. Finally, my parents sat me down, showed me a picture of a man that I had never seen, and asked me if I knew who it was. I told them it was Michael and that he was there with us right then. That's yeah, that's like when we did the past lives. You know, yeah. The things that kids say and you're just like, oh God. No. Oh, no. I don't uh, want to know who's right beside me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The next one's title is very misleading. Uh, it's called Flamethrower. It's... <laughs> says be warned some Ouija board stories can be violent when Anna was in high school she had a sleepover with a bunch of her friends one of them Brianna wanted to use the Ouija board to contact her grandfather who had recently passed away the friends set up the board turned off the lights and lit a candle they called upon the spirit of the grandfather but when they did this the candle suddenly threw itself directly at Anna and she felt it was probably not the spirit they had called for well, so I don't know. unless your grandfather really didn't like you <laughs> i'm finally at peace get out of here <laughs> get off my grave <laughs> um wow there's only a couple left uh the next <laughs> one's called blast from the past i saw a full-bodied apparition glenn 29 from pennsylvania says of his experience with a ouija board the apparition, apparition he saw was that of a young girl wearing what looked like commoner's clothing from an antique era. He told the story to his neighbors, who happened to be historians, and they told him that a little girl, just like the one he had described, used to live in the house. And the apparition ended up being a 10-year-old girl named Annalise, who died of ter- tuberculosis sometime in the late 1800s. It's kind of cool. Holy shit. Also, Annalise, that's one of the, that's like a possession case. There was Annalise Michelle. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if we covered her, question mark. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think probably it was too dark. We did an exorcism episode, and that's probably the darkest one I can think of is that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's just interesting that the name is the same. It's not very common. No. Hmm. Uh, the next one's called Delayed Reaction. Okay. Uh, so one evening when she was in high school, Sherry decided to use a Ouija board with her friends. Nothing seemed to happen, so they all just gave up. Uh, what they would discover later is that the Ouija board actually did work. Weird stuff happened in the house ever since that night, and to this day it hasn't stopped, says the 29-year-old oh, Iowa resident. We've had glasses move right across the table by themselves. I saw a spoon in a cup of coffee aggressively stir in the cup without anyone being near it. 
It's just a ghost. <laughs> it's just a ghost trying to make you coffee in the morning. He's like, I'm tired. She's been stirring the sugar. Um, really bothered sound- me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the sound of footsteps leading upstairs down into the living room entrance never stopped. That's creepy. Um, Ew. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I thought I had to burp. I was Two left. Second last one <laughs> is called Dorm Hall Morgue. Ooh. When Tommy was a freshman in college, he and his dorm mates took out a Ouija board and had a threatening encounter with some very dark spirits. The dorm hall used to be a morgue, says the 25-year-old New Yorker. It was the perfect setting for a goof with friends, he thought, but they failed to realize how serious it could get. The planchette began to move on the board and the spirits or spirits communicated to them that 83 demons would come after them. The next thing you know, the dorm is haunted. I love this. (laughs) <laughs> 83 <laughs> demons are gonna come for them the next thing you know the dorm is haunted and the girls can't sleep because stuff is turning on and off and messing with them so they had a priest come in and bless the room it was good afterwards he says and that's why i don't mess with ouija boards anymore right i was like i'm sorry is there 83 like students overall like where are they getting this number wow yeah. that's specific um, and terrifying. <laughs> The last one, this one's kind of great. Uh, it's called When Heads Roll. Okay. So okay. Randy learned what a Ouija board was the hard way when two of his family members introduced him to one when they were all children. My brother and cousin were older than us, the 36-year-old Michigan, or said the 36-year-old Michigan resident. This particular time they had come with a Ouija board. We agreed to play and to turn off the lights and light a candle Randy sat down with his favorite doll, Kelly, at his side, nervously waiting in the dark. We started playing and asking questions, and before we knew it, the planchette started moving around in a pointed direction. It traveled the board, dragging itself to the letter K, and when it made er, and then it made its way to E and L for a moment it paused, then quickly circled back around for another L before finally landing on Y. Um, next thing you know there was a loud bang against the radiator and everyone started screaming randy recounts we turned on the lights and by the radiator was the severed head of my favorite doll (laughs) and and if you didn't remember his doll's name was kelly and that's what the ouija board spelled i see i was like dun 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 kelly and uh, wait i was waiting and his name's randy (laughs) Yeah, oh it's spelling Kelly, God. and his name's Randy. But his favorite doll's name was Kelly. What a decapitated his doll. Yeah, I that was the last it. story. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, readers. Digest. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But what if they, they get were the name great. wrong? What if they just spell one name wrong? What if they just get one letter off? I mean, I don't know. What how if many they spell Becky's name wrong? What Becky. if they spell Becky without two K's and an I? She's like, that's not my name. <laughs> all the different spellings of Megan no but I don't know how many oh. times I'll be like going to say like maybe I'll go to say Kelsey but then I have a friend named Kelly and usually it's probably the other way around because I hang out with you more often mm. so <laughs> I'll probably say Kelsey when I mean to say Kelly yeah <laughs> and like that shit can happen and it's just like yeah. 
imagine how it just quickly could become so morbid. Ugh! That was great. <laughs> Lots of a history and some information about Ouija boards. I like it. They're pretty I mean, cool. Yeah, and that's a fun one because it's it does have a pretty big history and facts and yeah you know yeah it's not just like one supposed haunted object because I might have a few of those (laughs) yeah yeah it's like a whole like collection of them like I don't think anybody just like looks at a Ouija board and doesn't in their back of my their head be like I could possibly get haunted right now oh totally i hope we get some listener stories maybe somebody's got something they want to share yeah yeah <laughs> if you have, have any around with it yeah ouija board stories well i know we never there was them none in our us. house growing up um no. I, mean, I was talking to my mom the other day and i was saying oh yeah like yeah it's definitely you know you that influenced us kids at least as girls especially um but all me and my brother and my sister like to be you know sort of into like different things like tarot and palm reading and stuff like that yeah um but like we never had a Ouija board in the house (laughs) yeah and I love board games so you know that's fucking haunted shit when I won't touch it (laughs) yeah go to Toys R Us and buy they probably I don't know maybe they sell I know no, like seriously I've seen them on the shelves it's just like it seems so weird that it can be just sold at like Toys R Us, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, well, we'll be right back. <laughs> we are back. Yes. Back in the New York groove. Oh. Um, you know, I didn't tell you in our pre-show that I did learn today just by being on George R. R. Martin's website. <laughs> He's hey, finally you know writing. Well, he still has been, yes. You sound just like Pat. That's exactly what Pat said, yes. Well, they're like, yeah, he's doing this. He's doing this TV show. And I was like, just set him in a room without, like, just walls. Send him to prison. Make him write. Okay, okay, okay. He knows. He knows. He has posts where he's like, yes, as I've said it a thousand times, I'm writing. And he literally did lock himself in a cabin for like a good part of 2021. But that's not what I was. Wait, now you're gonna make me forget what I was getting to. (sighs) Because I did learn a bit. I've always I like going on his blog, especially when I was way into Game of Thrones when it was coming to an end, because like he has good recommendations for shows and stuff. Like that's how I found Outlander and The Expanse yeah. and other good shows and stuff. Um, but no, it was that he had partnered with the Meow Wolf people to help make the Meow Wolf art installation in Santa Fe. And I was like, wait. We went to Meow Wolf Omega Mart in Vegas and it was this trippy thing that looked like a grocery store but then like you went down a rabbit hole of like (laughs) million rooms that you were like alien government conspiracy right and you like basically felt like you were on acid because it was just like shit all over the walls (laughs) and stuff everywhere it was crazy cool but I was just like had no idea that he was even remotely a part of any of it but yeah because wow. he's from santa fe and he's a okay community person there like i knew he had like bought a theater there and stuff <laughs> just an old one but like yeah i was like oh 
we went to a meow wolf i okay <laughs> yeah that is so weird what the hell <laughs> yeah that's very interesting oh yeah things, that's part of my things i lived in the internet theory uh what did i call it segment i did that like two episodes ago Oh, I did have have my death facts here. If you guys do want a fun gross fact to start off my segment. Sure. (laughs) Oh God, my first one I had written down here was a human head remains conscious for around 20 seconds after being decapitated. (laughs) Yay. Yay. You can find a lot of dark things. Okay, well, anyway, (laughs) that was fun. (laughs) Oh, so was this one. Men who are hanged get a death erection known as rigor erectus. I think I've heard that one before. Really? I had. Yeah. (laughs) It'll live in my head forever now. Why is the first thing that comes to my mind? being like some stupid tv show or movie where it's like a comedy and they're going and that one guy's job is to just break dude's penises back down after they die and for some reason that's oh like my so god great. and it's like a satire like break comedy. them <laughs> yeah and he's just like oh like after they get like hung and then he's like yeah the one guy the like i i'm buddies with the like guy the hanger guy there and <laughs> one guy hit like hangs them and then the other guy breaks their penis sounds like monty python or something because they're all like bring out your dead not quite yeah. dead yet you know like it sounds so silly but for some reason that's <laughs> in my mind from something <laughs> i saw and you think when they died because the blood flow and everything would then leave that this wouldn't be a problem anymore but uh, rigor mortis yeah (laughs) i guess the blood does pool where it was when you died oh god (laughs) well it pools with gravity (laughs) so if you're standing up i'm not searching it my search history is fucked enough (laughs) all right you want to hear about some haunted oh (laughs) that's a really good segue actually um at first it seemed like what I seemed to focus on or research first was after writing down a list of a a few different um quote-unquote haunted objects from a few short lists that I you know wasn't sure if they were going to be like good or not like I do remember one was like a doll and then it was like a like a Princess Diana themed like Barbie and It was apparently haunted with some like ancient spirit, but then it was like, it was like this list where they do a bunch of like, you know, it's a listicle. They do a bunch of short blurbs and then there's nothing else about it. And you Google it and there's nothing else about it. And you're like, well, okay. I don't know how credible that is. Yeah. I couldn't bring that to you. Oh, unfortunately. But, um, I did end up picking things that ended up being mostly like furniture and speaking of wood, mostly wood. (laughs) Starting with uh, the Tallman bunk beds. I, what? 
Haunted bunk beds? <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. In 1987, the Tallman family moves into a new home in, it's spelled Horicon, but it seems to be pronounced Horican, Horican, <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, and that I did hear it spoken from one uh, source that I researched happened to be the uh, a Bailey Sarian video uh oh my know, god murders and makeup or whatever I was like yeah. oh she's got a video on it yes I will watch this I I will definitely check you out <laughs> oh, I'm so happy because yesterday she just came back from like <laughs> a three month break um oh she had a lot Some going on and like, do that yeah well it was like a huge like personal life change kind of thing she went through and she fell into like a bit of a depression over it and stuff so yeah oh good she's back then that's good yeah I mean it seems like she's doing well yeah and her videos are always so funny so I'm happy she's back and feeling better because I missed her well I remember telling my hairdresser who was like well, like my friend because we bond about this kind of stuff too she enjoys that yeah. and watches Bailey and I was like telling her I'm like I don't know how she like talks and does it the only time she ever mentioned it was when she was like literally drawing like these whiskers on her cheeks and was like oh it's a little bit hard to talk and like draw yeah. on my cheeks and I'm thinking like you're just talking like you're not even reading anything off any notes <laughs> like you're already, no, I like... saw like behind the scenes video once and she has a computer and like a mic and everything that like goes through her notes and stuff like out of sight but they're like right that's a good idea okay. yeah meanwhile I'm just like wait I want to zoom because I like to see you but then I like have a problem where I can't get them both up on the screen enough that to make it worth split screening <laughs> okay so back to the uh Tallman family in Horican, <laughs> I guess uh they moved into this house which was a lovely single story home on Larrabee Street perfect for parents Alan and Debbie and their three kids They had a boy about seven years old and they had two younger girls um, who are around three and four years old, something like that. So they moved into a new house, which you might think would cause some issues, but it was actually quiet as they settled into their new home uh, until a few months later when they went to a thrift shop to look for some new furniture and some household knickknacks. Uh, so there they saw a cute brand new looking set of wooden bunk beds perfect for the girls Debbie thought so they bought them in February 1987 and by May were ready to move them up to the girls room so they did that but the next nine months they had increasingly dark energy and activity invade their home the kids had strange illnesses that would recur over and over they would go to the doctor and like get them prescriptions and whatever but it just would keep coming back again or you know just way more than even kids usually get sick yeah um yeah and then like then it started doors would bang open and shut and they would hear disembodied voices 
And the kids would then complain of seeing a witch with red eyes that would appear to them that had long black hair and a reddish glow. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so the little boy liked having the radio on at night and the presence would turn it off and fiddle with the dial in front of the boy. And Debbie was doing laundry one day when she heard her name being called over and over. So like activity was kind of ramping up and it was making itself known, <laughs> I would say. That's so creepy. No, nope. I know. It's your classic haunting. So the dad, Alan, got so pissed at the spirits frightening his kids, he lost his temper one day and shouted at them. And he yelled, pick on me, leave my kids alone. That sounds Alan. so much like that. Um, the oh my god! All I could think of was the haunting oh. in Connecticut. No, the Conjuring movie. The the, the devil maybe do it one. Yeah, where he's like, "Pick on me, leave." Kid okay, because yeah, well, it first haunts yeah. a little boy. I can't remember the names either. But then, like yeah. the brothers. Uh, like the sister it's the boyfriend. boy's sister's boyfriend yeah. yeah like takes it on that's so that's so nice better marry that fucking guy okay um <laughs> all right uh bu- 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 bu. so obviously it got worse after that and one day alan heard a voice coming from the garage uh he had arrived home late from work around 2 a.m and obviously he's very tired And here's this voice that sounds like a woman saying, come here, come here. And then he looks into the garage and he sees fire everywhere. Like he it's on fire. And then he rushes in. But when he rushes into the garage, there's no smoke, no burnt remnants, no ashes or anything like that. Oh, okay. (laughs) So the fire's just gone. Just, just playing with his little head. Yeah, not cool creepy the kids frequently see the witch now and she says she's going to set fires and basically burn them all classic evil shit uh eventually they had their pastor come by and bless the place at one point but he said he did feel a demonic presence or the devil so like i don't i don't know if he particularly felt like he was up to the task but he definitely did come and bless the place but the stuff didn't stop no (laughs) no (laughs) a relative that came to help debbie one night uh was turned from a lifelong skeptic to a reluctant believer when she saw a shadow person just hovering over the child's bed and then just it always is repeating these horrific things like kept saying you're dead to alan all the time so they fled yeah they were like nope no thank you they fled the house they dropped the bunk beds off at a dump landfill whatever to be destroyed permanently or so i hope (laughs) um i would have set them on fire (laughs) very full circle (laughs) and then i would have said you're dead (laughs) I know. Don't love the fire thing. And it's weird how they were sure it didn't happen like just when they got to the house but more when they got the beds. But they still left the house. Wow. Yeah. 
no thanks no no creepy witches for me either <laughs> yeah but the other thing was too that it was like such a small town that word got around and then like I guess that became um, kind of a problem yeah, yeah nobody wants to buy your house that's for sale <laughs> that's true um but even more so like people were trying to find the house I guess more blaming the house because um well like the family was obviously trying to keep the it all private because they have kids young kids trying to keep it out of the press and obviously they don't want to print the address but like there was like threats of arson and stuff like that you know people were going to burn down the house weird I know this point is a little weird to me too you don't hear it too often but it's like since the address wasn't public the police were apparently fearing that a neighboring house might be mistakenly burned so then they released the address because the family was no longer there at the time so they did release the address and hopefully that I don't know I don't think it ever burnt down and it was featured on Unsolved Mysteries in October 1988. Um, the the house, no, yeah, it didn't burn down because the house now has new owners that do not report any activity. All right, that's my first haunted one, haunted bed. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Um, I don't remember that one from Bailey Sarian. Yeah. I don't know. I think she's been doing it for a while, hey? That's what... Yeah, um, there's a lot of videos. Like, she's been doing it for a couple years. Yeah. Yeah, that's what... She also just... Everybody was sad in the comments because today she announced she's retired her theme song. That was like... And it was just her doing it, like, awkwardly every episode. Okay, but that's catchy. It's good. I know. Yeah, she's retired. She retired it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah she's like going forward i'm not gonna be doing it oh. it was like rest in peace <laughs> and it had like 2019 to 2022 or something it was like uh... <laughs> yeah sorry okay stop <laughs> <sighs> okay have you heard about uh the busby stoop chair no <laughs> But I it's love so- the name. Be <laughs> stoop chair. I like that name too. That's the first name I heard for it. So I did include the other names that it sometimes goes by, which is the dead man's chair or sometimes the chair of death. <laughs> yeah, Busby oh. Stoop. This sounds so <laughs> so random compared to the chair of death. True, 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 true. You'll find out. It has a bit to do with the name of the guy we're going to talk about here. This one takes... Ah! Sorry, fruit fly. Right in my face. Like, almost hit my nose. (laughs) Fucker. Okay. You didn't see that, maybe. No. Maybe you did. Okay, anyway. I didn't see the bug. (laughs) No. It's too small. (laughs) Just me being an idiot. Okay. Um... Uh, this happened in England in Thursk. <laughs> Thursk? I don't know. Sounds like it should be in Russia. But 
long time ago. Uh, it was this favorite chair at the local pub of a convicted murderer named Thomas Busby. He was some sort of striper. Was the only thing I found about his job, which I was like, does that mean like a candy striper? Like when you work at like a hospital? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was, it was the 1700s. So yeah, it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> he was convicted of the murder of Daniel Audie in 1702. Oh, as you'll see, it's the details are spotty. Daniel was either his father-in-law, his father, or his partner in crime, depending on what you read. Oh, that's huge <laughs> variations. It, it is. It's almost like the stories just got passed down without any really good reporting over the years. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, um, okay, so either they were in business together or they were in the fa- in a family together and either way what seems clear is that they ended up not liking each other and one of them did (laughs) yeah um so either they argued about the daughter slash wife elizabeth audie or daughter slash wife is terrible (laughs) i I was like how do i condense this because like if thomas busby is the son or son-in-law <laughs> then they were arguing about daniel audie's daughter slash thomas's wife okay. <sighs> anyway elizabeth audie or she might not have even really been relevant and they just argued about their counterfeit coin business they had <laughs> either way okay. it's not yeah it's not like <clears throat> super relevant going forward to the story but the main takeaway was that then Thomas Busby strangled Daniel Audie not long after they argued, and Daniel had sat in Thomas's favorite chair. Oh, oh no. Not the chair that's got my ass print in it. <laughs> yeah, it's craziness. Okay, hang on. So Busby was sentenced to death by hanging, and on the way to the hanging, he requested that he stop by for one last pint at his favorite pub. They agreed, and Busby sat in his favorite chair for his one last pint. He cried out that anyone who dare sat in his favorite chair would soon die. (laughs) That's really why he wanted to stop there, to curse them all. And even another version has him just sitting in the chair, his favorite chair, when he was arrested. And that's when he made his curse proclamation. So who knows? (laughs) Right? (laughs) No one's sure of the details of this one. (laughs) I I would like to curse my coach that (laughs) I curse this coach. (laughs) And then I'm going to sell it on Kijiji. Oh no. Oh no. No, you know that haunted shit's for sale there. We'll get to it again. <laughs> there was there uh, used to be a, a podcast <laughs> I heard about. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was just on um I think it was from Good Mythical Morning or whatever yeah. the YouTubers I watched. They were talking about it and they're like, I think it was them. And they were saying there is a 
a podcast or a YouTube or something that him and his brother literally just go to Kijiji and they just read ads for haunted things for sale mm. and that's all their show is and I was like I would watch it yes sounds familiar because there's so many out yeah. there yeah and I've heard people like touch on it briefly in podcast segments <laughs> <clears throat> And we will get to it a little bit. <laughs> um, da, 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 da. But of course, no one really thought much of this cursed chair at first. Then an abnormal amount of death seemed to hang around the chair. During World War II, there was a base nearby called Skipton on Swale. <laughs> so British. It's <laughs> uh, Skipton on Swale there was Canadian airmen who would come to the pub in Thursk. It was the closest place. Um, so the Canadian airmen that would come to visit the pub, they began to notice that those who sat in the chair did not come back again alive. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. And two Royal Air Force pilots who sat in it drove back together from the pub, but crashed into a tree and died. Yeah. That's I mean, good. soldiers, but yeah, <laughs> quite a few of them, I guess. I don't know. Uh, there was a roofer who let his ass grace the cursed chair at that parish shortly after when the roof he was on collapsed. Okay, that's not good. No, and there was actually a cleaning woman who just simply stumbled into it one day uh, who later died of a brain tumor. That's no fun. Um, again, it's one of those collection of deaths that you just can't say whether or not it would seem <laughs> if they do pertain yeah. to it. Uh, people would dare each other to sit in it, and uh, there was no no more word on whether all those people died. But there was one story that came out about, or later after the chair was put away, which we'll get to that an airman was being picked up by a driver, presumably from that nearby base um, mm. where all the Canadian airmen were coming from. And on their way home, <clears throat> the airmen needed to use the bathroom, so they stopped at the Busby Stoop Inn, which we'll get to why it's called that, but <laughs> the driver waited and waited for the airman to come back from the bathroom, but eventually he concluded that the guy must have gone, so he leaves. Uh, but the airman was apparently still there and eventually came out and got super pissed off at being abandoned there. So when he made his way back to the base, he grabbed a brick and smashed the driver's head in. Oh, jeez. Oh, got a little violent, he did. It eventually got moved to the basement where a delivery driver took a brief rest in it and he crashed his truck only apparently an hour later. And did not survive. That was apparently the last straw for the pub owner. He had it moved to a nearby museum. And the museum had it hung from the wall five feet up. Or about one and a half meters. So that no more asses so touch it. <laughs> um, if you had happened to sit in it. You might experience the following before you died. 
haunting experiences, extreme itching, paranoia, hearing things, confusion, items moving about the house and or warnings appearing in mirror, mirrors and on walls. But yes, uh, just remember what Thomas Busby said, quote, may sudden death come to anyone who dares sit in my chair. <laughs> That's so weird. Like cursed chair. A cursed chair, yeah. You don't hear about that too often. It's always like, no, something more per. Well, yeah, it's, it's like just more a, personal. I don't know. It's a three hundred and twenty-year-old chair. So, oh yeah, I definitely right? didn't include it, but I think I read some things that people, like historian, uh, looked at it and thought that it might have been more modern than was claimed in the story of being from the mm -hmm. 1700s <laughs> which i'm always like damn it that's a you very guys. old chair it is yeah and it's something about the like chair nerdiness where they were like didn't have the rolling thingies <laughs> or yeah. something thank you antique roadshow <laughs> mm. Good I Canadian used to love television. watching that. Yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. I called it Canadian, but I don't know if it is. Yeah. It's like old person TV. <laughs> I, I used to sometimes, I don't know, sometimes when you just want something on the background, you just want to hear people sure. suddenly find out that something that was passed down in their family is worth like $10,000 or something cool. And you're just like, yeah. I would watch it. And if it's not like, other reality shows where they're all like planned is that the word no like, yeah then that's cool i like the real life stuff yeah I like pawn stars and stuff i hear is pretty fabricated you know or like yeah what are those other ones where they go into like storage sheds and stuff like storage wars yeah i don't oh. like all that stuff because they talk about like how much they like when they do the scrappers or whatever they do the people that do like garage sales yeah and they like hit up people and they're like oh and uh this thing is worth five hundred dollars or i can sell it or i can sell it for five hundred dollars and this person they'll be like what mm -hmm. do you want for it and they'll be like uh 425 and they'll be like i'll give you 200 and the person's like no and then they're like i'll give you 400 for it they're like or the, I'll give you 300 for it now I'll give you 350 for it now yeah like I'll give you 355 and throw in like whatever I'll buy that one too uh, for 100 bucks and then you're like no. oh my god and they're like this sale was a profit of five thousand dollars and you're like oh my god fuck you like just mm, that's kind of skewing the yeah yeah i just oh i hate like, that kind of results. stuff when they tell you what their profit is and they're like sweet we can sell this for this and make a profit of this mm. it's like oh my god like immediately that's all <laughs> yeah. they're thinking about like yeah it can be kind of gross <laughs> and all they're doing is trying to haggle the person to not pay another 25 dollars like that's gonna break their bank like it's all like tax-free shit <laughs> yeah oh i hate that kind of stuff gross <laughs> yeah i gotta get my notes there we go burr, 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 burr. And then you're there yeah okay um <laughs> so next you might be familiar with the last one i was going to talk about 
uh, which is referred to as the Dybbuk box. <laughs> um, I know the Dybbuk box. Yes, uh, we didn't talk a whole lot about in detail anything on our trip last week because we wanted to get into the episode. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I think, well, I mentioned this when I was talking about um, my car shit. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's apparently, a, well, it's known as a very, very haunted object if you haven't heard about it. So it's a cool one that I was like, okay, well, now that we've been there, yeah, maybe I will cover it. So I'm a little bit about it and it turned out to be pretty interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> So, a little history. In 2001, Kevin Manis was out visiting yard sales looking for items for his furniture restoration business in Portland, Oregon. And he says he purchased an old wine cabinet from the, quote, granddaughter of a recently, that's not a word. (laughs) Recently? (laughs) Recently. From the granddaughter of a recently deceased Holocaust survivor named Havila, who escaped Nazi-occupied Poland. Uh, That quote was from this really great article uh, from Input Magazine website or whatever. Very informative. Um, So apparently their Holocaust survivor... Havila had her parents, her siblings, like two brothers, one sister, husband, and her two sons were all killed in the Holocaust. And she and some other survivors fled to Spain to wait out the horrors of the war. Yeah, it's really rough. Yeah, sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, also, it's like, wow, it goes back uh, some time. Um, she apparently immigrated to the United States where she lived to be 103. Oh, I meant to ask my mom when I talked to her. I, one of my great aunts lived to, I think 103, if not 103, at least 102. My great aunt, Elsie. <laughs> oh, wow. I was going to verify. Yeah, we're long lived in my family. My mom would say we're hardy peasant stock. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she lived a long time. And when she came to the U.S., she had, like, three possessions on her, one of which was the box. This stupid okay. box. Yeah. Or, to be more specific, it was just a wooden wine cabinet. Um, small enough to fit, like, on a desk. I Yeah, when you say wine cabinet to me, I picture something bigger sometimes. Yeah, so. I was like, wine cabinet? Yeah, Two bottles of wine? It is. It's true. Like that's its original purpose. But to look at it, you might not even think that because, yeah, exactly. It it couldn't hold that many. Not like a big wine rack or something. It couldn't hold more yeah. than five, six. I don't know. It depends. But there was there's never wine in it, as far as I know. <laughs> um, and it's I don't know. It's beautiful. But also, I was like when I was thinking about how to describe it, I was like it's not bigger than a bread box and I was like does anybody else even know what that means when I say bigger than a bread box because we always use that in 20 like not 20 questions but basically that animal mineral or vegetable or yeah (laughs) okay well if anyone doesn't know like a bread box is the size of a microwave that's to like keep your 
bread more fresh if you're not gonna keep it in the pantry or something my mom has a bread box and she actually uses it I mean my grandma had one or my great grandma but yeah I don't know it's just like yeah it's something that that you would find maybe here in Canada and we just know what it is but maybe not everybody knows what that is (laughs) if you just say a bread box (laughs) oh I was like oh yeah it's like microwave size (laughs) yeah um so with this this box and then when Kevin Manis was paying for his purchase the granddaughter remarked to him I see you've bought the Dybbuk box she said her grandma had always kept it shut tight and out of reach because of a dibbic, a restless spirit that exists in Jewish culture. It is a malevolent spirit that can possess the living. <laughs> no. no. No, but there is a Simpsons episode where they keep trying to sell him something and he's like, it comes with a free frogart. That's good. But the Frogart is also cursed. That's bad. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> um, so she sold it to him with a warning. You must never open it or evil things will happen. So he immediately started restoring it to give to his mother as a birthday present. <laughs> he opened it and took it apart. Sorry. I mean, yeah, he's like, I'm going to give this to my mom. Don't worry. It's going to be great. <laughs> and when he opened it he found some things inside it had two u.s wheat pennies which when i looked them up they're also called lincoln pennies for the you know they have lincoln on one side uh wheat on the other now we both mentioned lincoln okay (laughs) america but (laughs) so two pennies Oh, I know, right? <laughs> These were dating back, though, to like 1925, 1928. So pretty old pennies. Um, two locks of hair, a dried rosebud, a four-legged candle sit- stick, sorry, and a golden wine chalice or cup. Chalice just sounds fun. And <laughs> a granite sculpture on which the word shalom is inscribed. So I have all that shit. Okay. I don't remember learning any of that when we went to the exhibit. No, they didn't really teach you much about specific things. It was very quick. And we wouldn't have maybe even retained it anyway. We were so hungry. But (laughs) we were basically starving. We were basically (laughs) competing in like a famine, like unintentionally. We talked like we were terrible. It was, I mean, what? We got there at three and we left at like 10.30. So it was like seven and a half hours. Oh God, 10.30, 11. It's just a little bit of unintentional fasting. Yeah. Um, So on the back of the cabinet, oh, fucking fruit fly. I got him. I got him. Okay. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I will edit that out. Um. It reminds me, I was watching on YouTube the critical role people that play D&D and one time there was like a fly and then somebody was like clap above it and one guy goes and then it was like boom and it was barely dead and I was like what the fuck I didn't know that was a thing <laughs> oh shit I'm too far 
Okay. So I do remember seeing this. On the back of the cabinet is an inscription of the Shema. Should have looked up how to properly pronounce that, but the Shema or Shema Yisrael is a Jewish prayer that serves as a centerpiece of the morning and evening Jewish prayer services. Its first verse encapsulates the monotheistic essence of Jew Judea Judaism. Quote here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, found in Deuteronomy. That was a quote from Wikipedia. Okay, I think I remember that being like in the back too. Yeah, a big long, you know, verse that you can't read because it's in Hebrew or whatever. But yeah, you're like, okay, there's something pretty special in the back yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin Manis did indeed give the box to his mother. Um, they said on Halloween, I don't know if that is her birthday because he was going to give it to her on her birthday, but apparently to give it to his mother and then she did an interview with tv's paranormal witness in 2012 where she describes feeling a cold breeze coming from inside the cabinet and also felt pure evil and then basically instantly had a stroke oh that's terrible yeah so that's not great um and probably helped with it helped i don't know maybe increased the folklore around it or its infamy <laughs> but over yeah. the next two years yeah kevin manis and his family experienced misfortune and paranormal activity uh his sister would get spooked each time the doors of it would open and shut out of the blue she would just witness it opening um i mean that would be creepy yeah oh yeah for sure <laughs> no thanks um like anytime I hear a weird noise in my house, if I can't explain it by someone being home or an animal, it's like, oh, is that just a house noise? Hopefully. <laughs> right. Ah. Uh, Fenrir. Fen if Fenrir is not freaking out, it's nothing to worry about. That is the nice feeling about having a big dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, or an animal because they're just very in tune yeah yeah they can tell they can hear like my uh old roommate her cat when I used to be home and she'd go to come home like yeah. her cat used to hear her like walking the sidewalk could tell it was her and would like go to the front door and wait Aww. for her and then she said that her that the same cat would do the same thing. She's like, yeah, you pull into the driveway and the cat can hear you pull into the driveway. And I have a detached garage. Mm -hmm. It's like through my yard and everything. And the right. cat would hear me pull into the driveway and she'd go wait at the side door for me to come in and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That is the best yeah. feeling. Like there's nothing like getting home. You can have like, I can get home and like nine times out of 10, they're both occupied, the human members of the household with TV or whatever. But then yeah. like the dog will be just like, oh, mom's home and he'll, he'll hear my car. Cause then like, if he's outside, he'll be like, literally like just, oh, like howling to get let in. And if he's not, yeah. then he just, he just gallops over to me. There's no other word for it, but he gallops over to me when I get home. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, sometimes it's funny because he'll stop and grab his toy on the way <laughs> yeah oh my god they're so cute but yeah they can just oh man that's crazy if like 
it's not even the car pulling in but just the steps you're like yeah she was like tell (laughs) walking up to the house that it was like her like yeah crazy that is that is uh pretty impressive oh yeah so the dybbuk box his uh manis his brother and sister-in-law would both complain of a strange odor coming from the box which was apparently like a mixture of jasmine with a whiff of cat urine (laughs) so i guess ammonia ew (laughs) so gross yeah Manus and his siblings suffered from recurring nightmares of an old woman with sunken eyes. Ew, sounds like the witch in the first, first story. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, with the witch? Okay. Um, but yeah, just in a tragic twist, a store employee's brother died by suicide not long after knocking the box off a shelf. And his brother, the store employee, killed himself not too many years later. So that's just very sad. And that's just people that just worked in the place that housed it, if we're to understand that correctly. Yeah. (laughs) And then as I said, in my own words, Kevin decided to foist it off on his girlfriend. (laughs) Who other other sources described it as giving it to her, but I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, hell no. <laughs> Take that shit back. And around that time, he started seeing shadow people. So he listed it on eBay as a Dybbuk box, along with a lengthy description almost all of my notes now (laughs) um and as i've noted in recent years it's become quite popular to sell your haunted things on there especially like dolls and stuff (laughs) yeah as we've i think at least talked about in like the cursed episode episode three which was now we're revisiting yeah um, and we will revisit that because I've got something to add at the end that we talked about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something we saw in Vegas. Um, <laughs> so you can find haunted dolls on Etsy and eBay. You can find Dybbuk boxes on Etsy and eBay and the Dybbuk box store website, which is another site i have found and i'm sure it will live on my history forever (laughs) and they're all varying on authenticity i am sure but (laughs) i loved the dybbuk box website it was actually quite i felt like i don't know i felt like it was it was a good source it had more information than i thought it would (laughs) to be honest but Um, It describes the boxes as, quote, barriers between the living world and any force that should not be here. In other words, they are not merely vessels, but entrapments for metaphysical energies that should not exist in our living world. I mean, yeah, that sounds like what I've heard of them. But you do hear mostly about the negative ones. But uh, I mean, maybe there's more. So some might be like younger than others these spirits or like more peaceful 
but some are oh, definitely okay. <laughs> well maybe i mean I, that's i was yeah that's kind of what i was trying to say i guess it's like you only hear about the bad ones but like maybe if it just means like it's a box that holds a spirit maybe it's kind of like when you think about a ghost they could maybe be a, a good one or a bad one with bad intentions i don't know oh okay that makes sense i think that's what it is saying um but definitely some would be negative when you consider the fact that they appear to be the results of either spells gone wrong or in some extreme cases like occult magic or rituals where even murder can be involved in trapping the spirit in the box yeah interestingly i thought they're historically associated with judaic traditions or jewish mysticism which i love the word mysticism so good (laughs) i should use it more often um (laughs) she's there okay (laughs) yeah um but it can be found in many cultures in different variations and similar beliefs all history and cultures are kind of intertwined in, in my experience. And they've discovered sometimes the exact same things around the world that happen simultaneously and independently. So I don't know. I think it can be something that might be true of different cultures. It does seem to have history in different cultures. So yeah, it's cool, but also creepy. Um Many of the boxes are sealed with wax and filled with possible various mementos, one might say, like, quote, hair, bones, burnt ashes, personal belongings, handwritten messages, photos, appeasements, and offerings. Which I don't know if we talked about on here, but remember when we went into the room with Peggy the doll, our tour guide had asked us if we had heard anything he was waiting for us in the room with piggy the doll and we were in the antechamber whatever they called it listening to the little spiel about peggy and he was like did you guys hear that yeah he said that something had moved in one of the boxes where they had a bunch of like offerings and stuff like coins and rings and stuff he was like something just like flew off like into the side of that glass box and like he was like I don't know sometimes when I'm in here with Peggy alone shit happens and I was like oh but I was like I did not hear it I wasn't paying attention because no I didn't hear it either well no and like you probably wouldn't unless you were like a tour guide in the other room because you were in we were in that other room like you were listening to a video where Zach was talking Uh. about the or it was just before the Dybbuk box I guess because they both had special little rooms before them yeah yeah Mm. i don't know it's just so cool i wish i could have heard it (laughs) yeah little paranormal activity um uh, oh weirdly enough sometimes apparently the dybbuk boxes can be incorporated with tarot card readings which I don't know. It just sounds like a bad idea. Okay. That sounds weird. Yeah. I didn't really understand that. They didn't really go into depth, but like, I don't know. I don't know why you'd want to do that when 
yeah readings that can be kind of like yeah divining in a way weird um but something i didn't know sometimes like maybe a dybbuk box might have been used after a death to contain like an energetic spirit that's bothering someone or haunting somewhere i don't know i just i guess you hear about them having bad spirits in them but that you might not think that like oh maybe like maybe it was just like a bad ghost or something and then like or like you know a negative spirit that that lingered too long and then someone like just traps it like you're like maybe it's not a demon yeah i don't know could be anything and some might say their kind of paranormal cousin is the jinn which can date back to like pre-islamic culture they're even mentioned in the quran and that's the spirit that can be a negative energy and can inhabit or influence people they can also appear as animals or humans and another word for jinn is genie who are also kept in a vessel like a lamp or a bottle which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. when you yeah think about the vessel side um and then there's just they had a little bit more about people who owned the dybbuk box besides zach baggins owner of the haunted yeah. museum <laughs> um and that Kevin Manis guy we talked about. But yeah, another one was Jason Huxton. And he wrote a book about the Dybbuk box. He was afraid to publicize the story. Um, that doesn't make sense, that sentence. <laughs> he wrote a book about the Dybbuk box. Um, he was a bit of a character too, though. He was the director of the Museum of osteopathic medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, and an expert in American antiques and artifacts of ancient origin. So he was apparently fascinated with the cabinet. He also had many experiences when he owned it, such as choking sensations and bleeding from the eyes. No. I'm not a fan of that. (laughs) Yeah. And he had similar nightmares with Uh, figures with sunken eyes um also to note he and kevin manis served as production consultants on sam raimi's 2012 movie the possession which was about the dybbuk box i guess i would have to watch it again (laughs) i think i saw it i know i felt the same way i was like i watch a lot of horror so i i I think i like sam raimi he does some good horror movies i feel like yeah um, so also weird things happened on set of that movie. The director Ole, or I don't know how to say his name, Ole Barnadal recalled, a neon light exploded above his head, even though it had been unlit at the time. And five days after shooting wrapped, a fire destroyed all the po- all the props, a mysterious fire. <laughs> Ooh. In 2016, Huxton sold the box to Zach Baggins and he put it in the Haunted Museum. And so as seen on the clips in the tour and on Ghost Adventures Quarantine, Zach opens the box at one point uh, saying he heard it say Kevin, then evil, then it used the voice of a child. That's when he touches the box, just as his friend Post Malone, the famous face-tattooed singer, reaches out and touches his shoulder. And 
that's when Post believed he was cursed because during the months that followed after, he had to make an emergency landing on a private plane. Um, I mean, yes, it sounds like woo 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 baby but like it's not like they were gonna crash so that that's pretty serious yeah yeah and his san fernando valley home was broken into and he had a car crash yeah Um, it's quite a few things which are kind of shitty so i can understand why he was a little freaked out and i know he does believe in that stuff i did watch the they show a clip of the joe rogan episode where he is talking about that and i have watched the whole thing because i kind of like post malone so (laughs) he's kind of open-minded so i like that um i like his music the songs like i hear when i first heard a song on the radio and it like literally updated and then it said it was post malone i was like this is post malone singing like right because i'm like this song was like a a rap like a complete yeah rapper like hardcore rapper or something probably because of his look and you know yeah judge a book wise but i was just like i yeah. really like this song and then they start like playing his songs on i think it's like on sonic sometimes and i'm just like oh, everyone like, i've heard i'm just like yeah i like this like yeah 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 they yeah. played it one on the radio uh in the last year or two that like i think it's like that you're my sunflower is that one that's a good one i don't know the only one that's coming to my mind oh. is like circles probably that's my yes. favorite one I yeah, like that I like one that too, one. although I can't think of it right now. Um, so just to finish up, basically here, um, the last two owners, but lastly, what do they have here? The two owners, Manis and Huxton, have been noted to have a bit of a rivalry. So the two owners before Zach. Huxton said that Manis never finishes anything. It wouldn't have got the movie made or a book done. So I don't I don't know because he wrote a book on it. He thought the other guy wasn't good enough. Um, he even went so far in his book as to call Kevin Manis out, saying, "Is the story really true?" And even refers to some Facebook posts Manis made, claiming it's a made-up story, which is less fun, but also does bring up a bit of an interesting point. What if he did make up the story, like the backstory of the Dybbuk box? And maybe in doing so, did he sort of make the box what it was? Yeah. We'll probably um, never know. <laughs> no, probably not. I like, I've never heard that part before though. Um, so this was, this is what he, I guess, said, like the other side of it, you know, Manus says he really got the box off an attorney, you know, rather than a Holocaust survivor. So this is perhaps the case, but that it was a low period in his life. Uh, He said he didn't intentionally channel anything into it except his prayers for himself and for forgiveness. But did this specifically on a special Jewish holiday, Yom Kippur, uh, which is apparently also known as the Day of Atonement. I'd heard of Yom Kippur, (laughs) but yeah, Day of Atonement sounds very official. Mm -hmm. Um, So just maybe he had enough dark energy to create some sort of a in my opinion maybe like a talpa which are kind of one of those ones that like you think into existence a talpa is a quote concept in theosophy mysticism and the paranormal of an object or being that is created through spiritual and mental powers 
I mean, oh, okay. Either way, the if the rest of the story is true, there are ten more boxes, or ten boxes in total, I guess, hidden around the globe. Manus said that the story was that Havilah and the other Holocaust survivors summoned an evil spirit to help the Jews fight against the Nazis, but that they couldn't control it. I like that story. I think it makes you sound like superheroes. I don't know. <laughs> but also because superheroes make bad decisions and unleash things that they shouldn't. Because, yeah. yeah. Um, Havilah believed it caused some of the 20th century's greatest disasters, including the Korean War. That's why it had to be captured and separated. Zach Baggins has two, the main one, the big one that we saw in the main box, and one little one, like the other nine are. And Manus yeah. has said, what's that? The little one was so nice. Oh, I know. It looked like a little jewelry box, like so beautiful. I know I thought well, what the fuck they're just these beautiful things like even the main one is like I don't know if I wrote it down here but apparently like, someone made the extra shell of it where it's like encased in this gold inlaid wood you're like oh I don't yeah. care if that wards off spirit it's just beautiful <laughs> um but yeah apparently there are 10 in total and Manus had said that he had six and that two are lost and the last is just mostly what Zach had to say in regards to um, this this article because the, the author did contact him and wondered about the claims about whether it was true or not. And Zach said, since owning the Dybbuk box, there have been countless documented experiences people have had with it. Not just from myself, but my museum staff, my fellow crew members, visitors, and most notably Post Malone. He also claims that multiple guests have been severely affected in the Dybbuk box room in his museum, some of them escorted out on a stretcher by EMT personnel. No word on whether they just needed a granola bar. <laughs> I know, I was just gonna say, like, <laughs> like I, when the one lady was like, I don't feel so good, and it feels like the floor is moving, and I'm like, honey, like, oh, I've been feeling like that since true. we got into this place. And that's why when we were like in the room <laughs> and they were like going through the things, I was like, if we, if either of us pass out, we just needed a granola bar and nobody would give us one because y'all apparently don't have food and you can't even give us one in an emergency or something. So we're possibly in the next two hours of our like museum <laughs> thing, we're going to pass out at any moment. And just so you know, you don't need to call an ambulance. You just need to give us a fucking granola bar. <laughs> like, oh operate like that you're in the trenches now there's no food there <laughs> oh, oh. even the guides seemed a little exhausted by the end of the day <laughs> i saw our yeah. guide leave for the end of the night and i was like oh he was good but he seems tired and the other guy was like yeah they work hard <laughs> yeah i would hate to do the same spiel over and oh, over totally. and over I mean, we all do it at our own jobs in one way or another. <laughs> but being a tour guide is like next level, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you literally have like a script that you like have to follow every two yeah. hours. Exactly the same. You can't like, really. Yeah. yeah, you can't really <laughs> divert from that. Um, oh, yeah. So what uh, the paragraph. 
Oh yeah, so Zach said some of them have been escorted out by EMT. I don't believe this to be the full truth, he writes in response to what Manus told me about making the story up. He cites some of the things that have befallen Manus in the past week, which Manus has also shared with him. I think there is so much more to the Dybbuk box, and regardless of its origins, it's very much cursed and evil, Baggins con continues. I'm not surprised that more controversy and conflict keep arising from it. The Dybbuk box has always raised questions and intrigue, and this adds to its narrative. The Dybbuk box has been the focus of books, a major motion picture, and TV shows, Baggin writes in the conclusion of his email. There is more to this powerful, cursed item. Its story is still being told. And that's all I have on that one. Very yeah. good. Oh. So many cursed objects. It is. And the other one we're, I, we didn't really get to, but while we were at the Zach Baggins Museums, museums, <laughs> that would sound like Squirrely Dan from Letterkenny just adding S's on everything. <laughs> sashimis sushis no but when we were there right when we were about to leave uh, it's like right before the gift shop because i remember i was like kelsey come look at this they had the picture that was um like the sequel or the prequel to one of the cursed pictures i talked about in episode three the hands resist yeah. and it yeah it was it was good i enjoyed it i was like oh my god i know this artist and it's like cool because in the one we talked about in episode three it's like the creepy little boy and the little doll girl looking in on this weird storefront yeah. and then in this picture they were like looking out that's what I was trying to um upload to the drive for you was that there was like like four in the the artist apparently did a series of about four but I had never realized that and I don't think I ever would if I hadn't stopped to read that damn picture description <laughs> yeah just looking at what it says on like the thing on the website it says yeah. like the last one was just done like last year in the series Ooh, okay i yeah. didn't notice that yeah i didn't notice that at all yeah it's like nice. on the maybe we, on the well, thing. maybe we can put like a link to it or something we'll try but yeah, they're creepy yeah. pictures. I like them. <laughs> they were, yeah, commissioned by a private collector, resistance at the threshold and threshold of revelation depict the boy and the doll as having progressed the doll into a real girl and the boy into an old man. And the right. prequel is the one that we saw, The Hands Invent Him, also commissioned, depicts the artist as a boy with the original paintings, characters viewed from behind the glass door. The series ends with what remains in 2021, which just looks like a burnt fireplace. That's all anything yeah. remained in 2021. But, but the no, one but, yeah. that we saw at the Bagans yeah. Museum was only painted in 2017. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. That would be the original of that. The original painting. one was in 1972 the hands resist him okay i think that's yeah. that would have been the one i talked about where like yeah people were like okay the the kids thought it was haunted because they saw the little girl pointing like a gun at the little boy and stuff Ugh, yeah. so creepy. Uh, and on that note um thank you for listening you guys yes. i want to mention patreon again because 
for some that don't know what the fuck Patreon is, uh, like my dear mother, um, <laughs> you can Ooh, find calls out. <laughs> but not really because I love her because she listens. Um, but no, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way to donate to, you know, some of your your favorite. Uh, what are we? Artists, podcasts, uh, content creators. That content work, creators is that good. YouTube people use and stuff. Um, yeah. But you can go to, so it's like, yeah, you get bo- monthly bonus episodes, is what you get from us. And yeah. yeah, you give us a couple bucks a month or whatever, and we fucking appreciate it. So the easiest way would be like patreon.com slash castles and cryptids or we have a link tree link in our episode description also in our instagram bio and Mm -hmm. also you can find it on our website and anywhere it says join the illuminati that is our patreon group yes we want to be a fun cult group no i just like the name (laughs) yeah and we have lots of episodes there's 10 full like patreon episodes already right and all of them are at least an hour long most of them are like the length of our regular (laughs) episodes um so like one extra bonus one a month and then we started doing extra video episodes a month too so yeah it's a it's a plethora of content so we'll hope to see you guys there too but yeah thank you for listening (laughs) oh and we're gonna post a little a vegas video of all the highlights from that shit so you can check that one out. Um, and Kelsey did electrocute me at the mob museum. So that will be there. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> With that nice, nice guy that videotaped it for us. He very helped nice. us. He was very friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, right. oh, uh, uh, what are we doing no. next week? Um, or, next what week are we is... recording in a couple days? Next week is spring break crimes because it's still yeah. March and this is my fucking birthday episode, baby. I guess <laughs> it comes up close to my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I will take it. And we love you and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye bye. This has been Castles and Cryptids. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and our YouTube channel. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. On our website, you can listen to all of our episodes as well as view pictures for each of our segments. Check out our Patreon page to view all of our tiers and become a Patreon supporter today to unlock monthly bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We are working on an Ask Us Anything. You can submit questions by social media or by email at castlesencryptids at gmail.com. Do you have a spooky ghost story, a creepy cryptid sighting, or a thrilling true crime tale you would like to share and have us include in a future episode? Send us your listener story by social media or by email please include the name that you would like mentioned.
Our music is by Kobe Fair. Our logo and artwork is by Antonio Garcia. Thanks for listening.